quick announcement before we get started. We've put together something special for you called the Hybrid Pub Scout Guide to Picking Your Publishing Path. And that's what it's about. You'll get checklists for what you can expect if you choose to work with a publishing company versus if you decide to go it alone. We've linked it in the show notes and on our social media, and it's free. So go get it. The Hybrid Pub Scout Podcast with me, Emily Einelander. We're mapping the frontier between traditional and indie publishing. And today's guest is Elena Jaden. Elena spends most of her free time dreaming up her next story. She found her love of writing at a young age. Her favorite rebellion was staying up past bedtime to read books and scribble stories under the covers. Elena's been writing ever since and still stays up late to sneak in words when everyone else is asleep. After living in various parts of the country, Elena settled in the eastern U.S. with her family and their many pets. She loves dark coffee, big slices of pie, family game night, city skylines at night, watching it snow, and laughing at her husband's antics. She co-writes as Bethany Jaden and Bella Blake. Her romance books have sizzling chemistry, relatable heroines, sexy leading men, and sweet happily ever afters. Thanks for coming on, Elena. Thanks for having me. Hello. And we also have our illustrious uh, guest host who comes on sometimes, Marie Robinson. Thanks, Marie. Hi, Hi everybody. All right. So um, first, I, I'd like to kind of, it's, it's been, you know, it's, it's Sunday morning. We're a little bleary-eyed because we've all been staying up late scribbling words, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> so let's talk about things that make us happy. Um, so, Elena, what's your, what's your guilty pleasure right now? Um, I have been catching up on all the new seasons of my favorite shows. Uh, a lot of binge watching. I love when I can just sit down and immerse myself in a good show. And I've been eating a lot of lemon cream cake too much probably oh my god is lemon is the king of flavors i just amount of cake like i go and i you know i have like times where i'm like oh a chocolate cake or pecan pie or whatever like my sweet tooth will kind of switch around but right now it's definitely the lemon cake so mm-hmm. um Bree's like shaking her head like ew i hate lemon <laughs> she, she doesn't like lemon cake I already called her Brie. Okay. <laughs> Marie, what is your guilty pleasure at the moment? I'm going to be sanctimonious here and be like, I don't believe there's anything called, or really a guilty pleasure because you should just embrace that you love things. That's right. I'm talking to romance writers right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, so you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm pretty similar, actually, just watching my favorite shows like I'm catching up slowly on Schitt's Creek the last season and it's already made me cry so many times but I love it and then I binge watched uh Father Brown season seven on Britbox and it was worth it every minute I love it and now I have to wait for season eight and I'm sad I think that Moira Rose can probably help us with our vocal exercises next time we podcast (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I love her character. <laughs> She's great. Have you guys seen I, um, the Christopher Guest movies with her in it? Uh, Best in Show, Waiting for Guffman. I oh. think I've seen Best in Show. I don't know about the other one. I, I That's your homework. 
Okay. I'm bad at movies. <laughs> You'll love it. Actually, like it's, I would venture to say you can watch Best in Show with your kid. Like, is that one has um, Greg Kinnear in it, right? best in show no no i'm thinking of a different one then but uh eugene levy is still her husband in it <gasps> oh okay i uh, i yeah. am thinking okay yes i think i have seen that one yes the they, they're they a great well. pairing those two they're a great pairing they really are it was a very nice choice each other. Yeah, yeah to make a tv off. show mm-hmm. <laughs> okay so elena i'm going to ask you how long you have been self-publishing and how many books you've written so, um, I, I think I'm coming up on four or five years. I've lost track at this point. Um, and my, I had to look up how many books I've written, um, because I, I wasn't actually sure. And my dashboard tells me I've, I've written 46, but some of those are multiple editions or print versions. So if I take those out, I, I think I'm hovering somewhere around 27 different books. That's right a lot now. of books. Um, yeah, some are shorter than others, you know, they're not all epic novels. Ah, so that uh, 46, 47 works. I would say, well, 27 different ones, I'd say. Oh, 27, I said 27. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'm impressed. How many of those are um, series and uh, how many different series have you done? Um, Okay, so I, I kind of think of series in different ways. So I, I have three continuous series where the story stretches across um, all the books in the series and you have to read them in order for them to make sense. And then I have a series where the books are standalone, but they're set in the same world and they have interconnected elements. And then I also have two collections. And again, the stories are standalone in those, but, and they're not actually related. There's not interconnecting pieces, but they're written in the same style and they have a common uh, theme. So they feel like a kind of like a tight collection. Okay. And those are, um, those are all romance. They're all romance. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in different, uh, in different styles. Different little different. Yeah. Different. Um, you know, some are contemporary, um, some are uh, reverse harem. They're just, they're kind of, but they're all romance. That's the connecting. That's the thing that ties them all together. Okay. Um, so why, why is that? Why did you choose romance? Um, so I've been writing since, well, for as long as I can remember really. And, um, when I learned about self-publishing and the idea that I could actually publish these books myself, cause I could, I just always wrote for me and I never really had any interest or intention of publishing them and doing that. And my family and friends had always encouraged me. And I'm just like, no, I'm happy writing my little stories for myself. I'm fine. <laughs> um, but then there was a kind of a, a life change event that happened about five years ago. And I started thinking, like, it was a deep reevaluation of what am I doing with my life? What do I really love? Um, what do I want to spend my time doing? And I really wanted to pick something that that spoke to me that felt, I felt energized about to get up and do every day. And so um, I started looking at self-publishing and I, I had some friends who were already doing it. And when um, I was thinking about the types of stories that I wrote, I went back and looked at a lot of my stories. They all had elements of romance. I mean, some were thrillers and suspenseful, but they still had like a very heavy romance um, plot line. 
So that just felt naturally like I love telling those relationship stories. Like I, I, I gravitate towards that, the dynamics of two people falling in love and the obstacles they have to overcome. Like it really resonates with me. Um, so you two, uh, Marie and Elena are writing a series together right now. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- how did that come about? Uh, we wrote a standalone last year and that went really well. And we had been talking, we've been friends for a while and we've been talking about doing something together. And, you know, you never quite know when you're starting on a new project or especially with someone you haven't written with before, how that's going to go. But our standalone was really fun to write and I really enjoyed it. And we started talking about what did we want to do next? Like we were just kind of vaguely musing about future books and sometimes an idea just grab you, you know, and, and it just demands to be told. And I feel like that happened simultaneously for both of us with, with this new series. Um, we were just lightly brainstorming and we knew the general direction we wanted to go, that we wanted to write dark romance, but it seems to me at least that this story just captivated both of us very quickly and it grew into this vivid, rich, world and it kind of took on a life of its own and swept us along with it and um we we both talked about how we're a little bit obsessed with this story (laughs) so um we just i kind of set other projects aside because this one is just like it will not let me go yeah uh that's what i was thinking as elena was responding we're definitely obsessed with this series like it just has dug its teeth into us which Mm -hmm. is a slight pun (laughs) no uh why is that funny (laughs) oh because it's about wolf shifters so you know they have fangs and teeth and you all know what that is now because of the new york times Woo! but there's no impreg anyways (laughs) damn it Uh, i just i thought it was so funny that there was this whole omega verse in new york times anyways uh yeah, I've kind of been the same that I've set aside other projects because this story is just so, it's demanding to be told. It's mm-hmm. one of those that uh, you'll hear authors talk about them, how they like they struggle sometimes with some, and then all of a sudden this other one will just be like, no, you have to write me. I was telling Elena, I was like, okay, I need to take a day off and like just do something else. And then I started working on it and she was like, are you supposed to be taking this day off? And I was like, right. Whoops. <laughs> uh, we were actually supposed to take what we had talked about uh, maybe a month or a couple weeks off between books. Uh, and that didn't happen. That lasted for maybe a day or two. And then we were right back into it. Like we can't let it, we just can't set it down. It, it talks to us even when we're not, we're trying actively to not focus on it. And it's like, it's like, you must write the story. <laughs> that's a life of its own. Yeah. Now, Marie, we have talked a lot. You've been on a uh, hybrid pub scout panel uh, interviews a couple of times, and you're very like adamant about writing to market in a lot of cases. So how does that come to uh, come to play into the, in this collaboration? Cause it sounds like, you really, really love it at the same time. And, and I'm, I was on the understanding that that's not always necessarily the case. Yeah, no, uh, it's not always the case, but 
uh, just like I said with the knowing your audiences, there is no reason why you can't love a story that's also to market in the sense of we knew that dark was pretty popular with our audiences and we know that paranormal wolf shifters is uh, popular and we just we really wanted to do something with both and so we were like you know we love this dark idea of this broken woman who's essentially sold by a scumbag ex-boyfriend to mafia wolf shifters because they're badasses and not they're not this typical prince charming and we like that that's something we both like is we like the bad boys with golden hearts basically and readers like those too and so we were like okay readers like these and we know that they like the feels so we're venturing slightly off market technically because people haven't been putting this dark mafia shifter together really mm -hmm. And so we we're like, okay, we really think this is going to be fine though and do really well because we're resonating with it so much. And it's really, our favorite reviews are the ones that are like, I did not expect to love this as much as I did. Mm -hmm. Marie, you said that you, your audience would love this sort of thing. Was this something that you kind of directed toward the people who were already reading your books or what you were seeing in the general area you've been writing in? Um, kind of both. Uh, we both have pretty diehard fans that are like, I will read whatever you write. And a lot of them, uh, a lot of mine cross over with Elena's. Uh, Elena's definitely a more established author and she's been around for longer. And so, well, you're shaking your head, but you <laughs> have been. Uh, you're, you're more established compared to me in this genre. And, uh, and so really, we saw what was going on in the big Facebook groups, what they were requesting, what they were wanting recs of, and what books they were talking about. And really, so we made like a three-circle Venn diagram of her readers, my readers, and the people we mm -hmm. haven't reached. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and we found what we wanted and found a story that is, you know, took over our brain and is still taking over our brain and keeps growing. So it's kind of that whole uh, preparation meets opportunity equals luck thing. Yes. Yep. You found the perfect like combination of things you like and things that other yes. people like. I yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, we we do have discussions like we will have when we're brainstorming ideas because we when we write, we have a loose idea of where we're going and there's certain ideas we have that we know we're going to include because we're both really excited about those. Um, but then, you know, we let the story kind of meander as, as it needs to along the way, which is exciting for us because we get a sense of discovery as we're writing and we get to keep that excitement of what's going to happen for ourselves as well. Um, but <clears throat> We have had discussions where we have wild ideas. We'll just throw stuff out there. And sometimes we're like, yeah, mm, in a different genre or a different book or a different series that might work, but I think that's not going to work for this market. So, but we have so many ideas to pick from. It's never like we're compromising the story to choose to write to market. It's always just, we could go this direction, this direction, this direction, what makes most, the most sense for this story. And I like that. I like it. It's a, there's some 
fluidity there, but then we're also, we're both business minded. So we're keeping an eye on that too. So do you have a general outline of how the series is going to go? Because it sounds like you've given yourself a lot of freedom um, to just kind of what you get, what we call the pantser thing, where you fly by the seat of your pants as you write. But I know that that's, you're very organized at the same time. I, we are organized. I, um, I feel like sometimes, um, but sometimes we have to backtrack. Like we'll get really organized and we'll have an outline and then we'll have to redo it, which is what we're currently in the middle of doing right now with um, one of the books. But we both have a vision of how the book ends. It's the, the road and the journey to getting there that's, that still has a lot of freedom on it. But we know we kind of already have the concept. We have a vision of like that, that gorgeous final scene in our heads. Um, so it's a just it's a lot of fun getting there. And we we do we do get organized. Uh, we do have a plot outline. We we tweak it as we need to. Sometimes uh, Brie will sit down to write a chapter, and it just doesn't feel right. Like the words, you know. And we've both learned over time not to fight when the words aren't flowing and something's stuck, it means probably something needs to be changed and not to force it. And usually once we percolate on it, it we come up with something even better. That's amazing. Uh, so when she comes to me and says, this isn't working, I think I need to do something different. Then I, I'm like, I try to stay open to that because I'm like, yeah, it'll probably make for a better story. Yeah. And every time Elena's come back, because Elena uses alpha readers and our alpha readers are great. Um, so what's that? Elena. <laughs> uh, so you, you know, everybody's heard of beta readers, which get our chapters after we've both worked on them and <clears throat> we send them to the beta readers and they give us feedback. I have uh, a few alpha readers and I don't use all of them for every story. Sometimes there's, you know, I don't, I don't need all that feedback, but I usually have at least one and it's kind of like, I'll send them and I'll say, uh, give me, you know, your high level feedback, like not nitpicking or anything like that, but just, does this flow? Does it feel right? Do the characters read authentic to you? Uh, because they're, they're really invested in the stories. And so they get to know these characters almost as deeply as we do. And so, um, you know, sometimes they'll say, uh, you know, I don't think so-and-so would say this. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you know, it, it usually she points out things that I was questioning that I was maybe struggled with or that um, Brie felt like maybe this little part is off, but I'm not sure what to do with it. And so we kind of pass it by an alpha reader to see if they pick up those same things. And if they do, then we know it's stuff that needs to be fixed. But basically it's before the beta readers. Yes. Yeah, so anytime we get the feedback from the alpha readers and they're like, oh, this doesn't feel right. And we've had a couple chapters that the entire chapter basically was like, uh, we're not sure if this is right for it yet. And so we don't delete the words. We cut them and put them into another document so we can use them later. Um, because that's what you should always do if you're an author or a writer or a blogger. Anyways, never completely de delete your words. Keep them. Somewhere no, else. never always keep them. Um, but every time I've rewritten a chapter and then Elaine has gotten her hands on it, it's always been better. And both chap or two chapters that we've done that with have like the favorite, most powerful scenes of our readers. So I've never regretted having to rewrite a chapter with this I series. I love it. 
That's very good. So how do, how do your readers find your books? I know that you have um, some sources of existing readers, but then you also have to go get new ones. What do you do to do that? Um, that's a good question. I feel like that's the eternal question. Yes. <laughs> that's why I asked. Um, I think there's a lot of different avenues. You just have to find what works for you. And that changes over time sometimes. Um, I mean, um, you know, you want to try to get that organic visibility on Amazon, which is really hard. That's you're constantly, you know, swimming upstream on that one. Um, so I think a lot of people, like I ask one of my questions when joining my Facebook group, my reader group is where did you hear about, where did you hear about me? And I, I love reading the answers to those questions because it lets me know where, you know, where things are coming from. There's a lot of traction for the specific um, niche that we write in Facebook groups. So a lot of readers will find us from there. Um, the just general browsing on Amazon, um, getting into uh, similar books that are appealing to readers, getting into their also bots and ads on their page and things like that. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of all over the place. <laughs> and did you say an also bot? Also bot. So Amazon's currently um, experimenting with the also bots, but if you look at a book page, there's always books that are, you know, customers who read this book also bought these other books. And if you have a book, if there's a book out there that's similar to yours with maybe the same tropes or the same theme or the same type of uh, feels and your, your book is listed in their also bots, then readers will see those as a suggestion and possibly click on that and read your book. So you, you want those reciprocal also bots to appear, but Amazon's experimenting with those. Sometimes the also bots don't show up. Instead, it's a, it's a row of books that say, uh, you may like these books or readers who read this book also like it. It's there. So it's, it's not as, um, reliable of a method to get visibility as it used to be. It's kind of up and down right now because I guess they're trying to figure out what makes the most sense to their customers as far as like showing them products that they're interested in. So it sounds like, so when you were saying that you get the answers from your Facebook users, that's when they click to join your group, the mm -hmm. little survey comes up. Yeah. The little questions to join, um, you know, everybody has something a little different. Some will say, we discuss things that are, you know, adult content in here. Are you okay with that? You know, and you write, you know, yes. I, I think I just asked two really simple questions right now. One is, where did you hear about the Lena Jaden books? And the other one is, what's your favorite color? Because I, I just, I don't know. I like that one. And it's a really simple one. Um, so people will put, you know, that they, a lot of people say that they got it, they heard about me from a friend. So I feel like that is very, very powerful. The uh, readers suggesting books to each other, you know, word of mouth, that's still huge, even in, you know, uh, with all the promo and advertising you can do still word of mouth is still really powerful. So Aside from the organic um, and just existing platforms that you have, what are the tools that you use for um, your marketing and outreach to, you know, the practical ones? Mm, so 
each book is a little different. I kind of approach um, how I do advertising a little differently. Um, I had one series get a lot of traction in uh, Facebook groups and I didn't have to do a lot of advertising outside of Facebook groups for that, for that series to really grab hold. Um, but then I had another series that just never got traction that way at all. And, um, but I, but it did really, really well with AMS ads, with Amazon ads. Um, and whereas the other series didn't, I couldn't, I could never get a good ROI, you know, a return on that other series. So I just had to kind of split, um, the way that I was approaching each of those series and, and do them differently, even though they're in the same genre and they have similar, you know, storylines, like they should appeal to the same readers, but they didn't for some reason. Um, and I know part of it was the covers, but that's okay because I'm reaching almost two different audiences with those series. And then they eventually, you know, go back and look at the other series. So um, that's kind of interesting. So I've learned I have to approach each book a little bit like it's its own, <laughs> it's its own little baby. I have to treat it differently. So I do use um, paid promotion uh, like newsletters, services. I use um, AMS ads. I, and I do use Facebook ads sometimes as well as my own newsletter and my own reader group and interacting in other reader groups because I, I'm a reader myself and I enjoy being part of those groups. And, um, so yeah, it's just, and I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out. Like marketing is still a thing that I feel like I could learn about forever and never, you know, never be a master at. So. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. Uh, uh, Marie, how do you two split it up? Um, your, your marketing duties and do you have a strategy going in on how you'll do that or do you just kind of do your best? Uh, we kind of just do our best, especially because Elena is so much better <laughs> at marketing than me. And you guys need to shaking, stop doing no, that. She's shaking her head. And the reason why I say she's so much better is because she's put more effort into learning it. Whereas I'm just like, stomping my feet over here and being like, why can't I write 3000 words a day? And that's just it. Like, why can't I just publish books every month and not have to deal with anything? But I am now starting to get better at, uh, marketing like Facebook ads and, um, AMS ads. I'm doing challenges and courses for that. And I, yeah, uh, I'm, one thing Elena's better at, and I'm not sure if it's better, but she's put in the time for it, is I have no idea other than like services like Ram's promo book stacker, I think is what it's called, that I don't know what newsletters are effective. Um, I haven't, I don't sign up for newsletters myself, like for books. Um, I have BookBub, but that's really it. Oh, and Book Barbarian, but I don't have... I don't sign up to anything else because I always get my books from word of mouth. And so I don't know which ones are good to send my books out in. Elena, tell us more about these uh, newsletters then. Um, is it just a author's personal newsletter that you cross promote or is it a different, whole different service? Uh, it's usually there's, you know, you can do cross promo with other authors as long as your book is going to appeal to their readers and vice versa. <clears throat> Cause I feel like that's a important thing. When I first started out, I would, I would, uh, 
cross promo with anyone because I was just, you know, I was so excited to get my book out there. But then you, um, but then you end up with an issue where you've got uh, like, if, you know, going back to talk to the also about the also bots, it's you'd end up with just such a huge range of books in your also bots that were not like, they were not similar to your books and they were not going to appeal to the same readers. So you were kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Um, so like short term, you might have, you know, found some new readers, but long term, you've messed up your, you know, your long-term game. So um, these are mostly when I talk about newsletter services, they're, they're actually services. This is, this is what they do. There's some out there. Um, Raising Bookshelf, uh, Full Hearts, um, they're all romance oriented. They, um, they have a lot of readers that are looking for good deals. Most of them require you to have your book on a sale price. You can't, it's really hard to find places that you can advertise your book full price. Um, and even in on the services that you can do that, you're not going to have as much reach because these, um, a lot of people have signed up for the deals. It's kind of like BookBub. They're not going to advertise a full price book. You're always getting a deal when you, you know, in your BookBub newsletter. So these are kind of like the BookBub idea, but on a smaller scale. Um, whereas BookBub has potential to reach millions of readers, these would reach um, thousands of readers. So when you do a lot of those, you know, you kind of stack them together. Um, maybe you spread them out over a couple days, or if you want to have a really big release, maybe put them all together on one day or in a short span of time. And so I'm sure there's overlap between these different services. Like there's probably readers who are signed up to more than one of them. Um, so your, your returns kind of diminish over time because of that. Like eventually you've reached pretty much everybody who's going to sign up for one of these. Uh, but they still can really help get the word out there that you have a new book out or that you have a really killer sale going on and um, maybe you reach some new people that way. So these are services that you'd sign up for. They're, a lot of them are run by authors, but they're not the author's personal newsletter. They're, they're separate from that. Okay. Um, so switching gears a little bit, uh, can you tell us a little bit that you both go wide, right? Like you're not just on Amazon? I do. I don't think, Elena, do you, are you I, wide at I all? Was, I was wide for about um, a hot 30 seconds. <laughs> 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 but I'm, I'm all in on Amazon right yeah. as of right now. Well, this is great then. So we can contrast, compare and contrast yeah. a little bit. Uh, Marie, do you want to start talking about your experience being on more platforms, selling on, on uh, platforms that are not Amazon? Yeah, so it... I found out, so basically when I went wide, it was because the first series I wrote really kind of flopped. Like I was all in with Amazon because the genres was really Kindle Unlimited heavy readers. And it just, it was doing nothing. Um, well, it wasn't doing nothing, but it wasn't doing what I wanted it to. And it was to the point where I was like, look, if I'm only making this much money, making myself exclusive to Amazon, there's really no reason why I shouldn't reach out or pull back the exclusive uh, agreement and go to the other 
vendors like Barnes and Nobles or Scribd or et cetera in the libraries and such. And so I did that with this series. I went all the way out and it is now, the series is over a year old now and it's consecutively my bestseller now because people buy the book. Um, it's at a higher price than it was on Amazon. And I mean, by higher price, I'm just mean it's like $3.99 instead of $2.99. But people are actually buying it. And I found that I put the first book for what's called a perma-free. Basically, it's always free. So you don't have to buy the first book. And I remember my husband being like, but aren't you going to lose money? And I was like, I mean, I might technically, but if that I know I have good sell through and read through from book one to book two. And so if I get them to sell through, they start buying the books. And I have found that that is, I've made way more money with this series now going wide and offering book one for free. And so, and that's specifically with uh, my romantic fantasy. And so I was talking with Elena earlier or I think just a couple days ago about how I'm going to start taking all of my romantic fantasy wide because these readers are willing to pay for it and there's readers on the other vendors that want these style of books and so that's what I'm going to do with it. So um, are you not allowed to uh, do a free book in, as the first in your series on Amazon? Do you think that's so, like the main deciding factor or do you think just people who read that genre read on different platforms? So Amazon is really really they're persnickety they they tell you that when they so the way you get a free book on amazon is you have to ask them to price match you literally can't publish a book for free on amazon the closest you can do it is kindle unlimited and that's only you know the free to read if you had the subscription whereas and, that, if, and that's exclusive correct and that's when you're exclusive to amazon um and so but when you go through the other distributors, you can set the book for free. And so then you have to ask Amazon to be like, hey, can you price match this? And they'll tell you sometimes it's like, we don't have to, but we're going to. And this so that's is annoying. my idea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, sorry, I just noticed there's like a drop of water on my wall and I'm like, oh, that's not good. Anyways, <laughs> Elena has that, her hand up. <laughs> that's why it's you. You can't. That's why you have to be wide if you want to do a perma free, um, unless you have some special arrangement with Amazon, which you know takes like big, big, big names. Um, you you have to be wide if you want a perma free for your first in series, which is a really good marketing tool. Um, but if it's not on the other vendors, you can't ask Amazon to price match. So you, it won't be free. The, the cheapest you can price it at is 99 cents, which still does okay as a lead into a series, but it's not as effective as a perma-free. Um, but yeah, I really, I really support Brie in taking her romantic fantasy wide. I feel like um, you were asking are the readers on those other vendors. I think a lot of, um, a lot of stuff on Amazon is, uh, it, it there's a lot of uh, flux in the bestseller list and stuff like that. And a lot of it um, on the, um, on Amazon, things move at a really fast pace. And sometimes the really uh, great books that you can sink your teeth into, like 
the romantic fantasy genre has a lot of books like that, they they don't get as much attention as other as they would on other vendors. Oh, because there's more of a like intellectual commitment to it. Some that's not <laughs> probably the not the best way to say. I'm trying it, not like, to say that. It takes more. It takes more brain power to read them if they're high I, fantasy. I think that is. Yeah, I think that is it because, and that's not a bad thing. Like so much of the fiction that you read through Kindle Unlimited and through Amazon, it's for escapism and wish fulfillment. You're not you're wanting the feelings, you're wanting the story, you're not wanting to like have to think about like the politics and diving deep down and trying to pick up hints of foreshadowing and uh, trying to figure out the complexities. You just, you want these two people to fall in love and be happy and then he wants a little bit of angst so that you can root for them and that way the happily ever, happily ever after is satisfying at the end. Whereas when you go with romantic fantasy, you want, you don't want just the happily ever after you want the world, you want the fantasy story as well. And they don't read as fast as the romances and the other fast paced like thrillers. They're, they're ones you have to go slower with. And those are the readers or the readers who like that really like that, but they aren't the majority of romance readers and that's fine but you have to target them better. You have to find your, yeah, you have to find the audience that loves those books. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, take note folks who uh, like reading fantasy. If you go onto different platforms other than Amazon as an ebook lover, you can get free things still, even without Kindle Unlimited. (laughs) So if you're, if you're having moral dilemmas about Amazon, but you love fantasy and romance, there are options. You have options. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what book is your most recent promotion and why should people read it? Uh, So my most recent book is Fawn, which is the first book in the Black Fang Barons series that Marie and I are writing together. Uh, People should read it because it is deep and intense. It has steam and feels um all the feels i feel like we have we dug really deep into these characters and what makes them tick and um i love how the story came together and the way that it's told um it's it's a twi- there's you know it's a reverse harem series so there are three guys but they're all very different and they're hard very um dominant men but they each bring something to the table that the heroine really needs and I love how that comes about it's different um and readers are really resonating with it so I feel like that's the one I would suggest well that's going to be linked um and on our social media and in the show notes um do you have any social media platforms that you use I'm on Facebook and I have a readers group, uh, Jaden's Maidens, and uh, I love interacting with my readers in that group. I, I have a Facebook page. Um, I don't interact as much on that one and I'm on Instagram as well, but I, I need to, <laughs> I really need to work on my Instagram. Like it's one of those platforms I'm still a little intimidated about, you know, mm-hmm. I love browsing Instagram um, and I, I look at what other people are doing and I'm just 
wowed by it, but I, I need to get my, you know, my Instagram, Instagram game going. Um, other than social media, I'm also, all my books are on Amazon, Elena Jaden on Amazon. Um, so you can find me there as well. All right. Brie, where can people find you right now? You can find me on Facebook as well. Um, I have my own Facebook group. It's Marie Robinson's fan club. I couldn't think of anything witty like Jaden's maidens. Um, and I'm a bit more active on Instagram. Thanks to my PA. She is helping me figure it out. And then BookBub is a great place to follow me as well. Just Marie Robinson. Perfect. Um, and you can find us on Facebook at Hybrid Pub Scout, on Twitter at Hybrid Pub Scout, Instagram Hybrid Pub Scout Pod. Please visit our website, hybridpubscout.com. And while you're there, click join our troop to get our new guide, the HPS Guide to Picking Your Publishing Path. Please leave us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you, Marie and Elena. Thank you for having me. I, I enjoyed talking to you. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> and thanks for giving a rip about books. <laughs>